We're continuing our Summer in the Psalm series, and today we're going to be talking about Psalm 84. And this psalm really uh, just dives into what our heart desires after. And it's one of those psalms that we, when we, we read through it, we, we're going to have a big heart check today. What are, what's our heart's desire? And the truth is, everyone in this room this morning, everybody watching online, our heart desires after something. And we, we all have heart's desires. We, we have similar desires, like we desire health for our family. Um, we desire peace and um, honesty. We, we have all those. But there's some things that we all desire, but there's differences in them. Like one thing we can all agree, we desire a vacation. Anybody? Come on. Come on. We desire a vacation. Uh, some of us get more than others. Um, just saying. Um, you know, but we desire a vacation, but we can't even agree on what the right vacation is. You know, there's some of us in this place, if I said, tell me your ideal vacation, you would say Hawaii. Any Hawaii fans? Any Hawaii fans? Some of you would just say, give me Lake Tahoe. Give me Lake Tahoe. Give me that. Some of you would say, just give me a week off work where I can stay at home. Anybody, anybody, come on. Some of you would say, just send my kids to grandma's. That's what I need. Just send them to grandma's. I mean, some of you, and I don't know, there's some of you in here that I don't understand it, but some of you would say camping. Yeah. What? Camping makes no sense to me. I'm sorry. It's like the hardest thing to do. You literally pack up your house to go live in a tent. It just doesn't, I'm sorry. Sorry, that's not even about my message. I'll get back on track. And Psalm 84 really is about desire and what we should be desiring after. So the question that's going to flow through all of today's message is, what are you desiring after? Are you desiring after the right things? We just sang that song that my heart cries out for you. Are you desiring the right things? And the real question is, is do we have a desire for God? The first part of this psalm in 84, the first point that we see is that we, we are called to desire the presence of God. Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2 says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. That first line, how lovely is your dwelling place? This is referring, um, to, in this psalm here, it's referring to the tabernacle. It's referring to, to as, the, as the people of God fled Egypt and, and the Ark of the Covenant would go with them and the, and the presence of God would rest and stay in this tabernacle. It's talking about this dwelling place. And what it's really saying to us today in our today context, is that the, the, the tabernacle was where God's presence was. And it's calling us today to, 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 to desire the presence of God in our life, to long after the presence of God. It then goes on to say in the next line, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. To long or to faint. Psalms 42, 1 and 2 says this. As a deer longs for streams of water, 
So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? As a deer pants for water, to survive. I think sometimes we can read this passage and we can think that this longing or desire for water is just to, to help me get through something, to, to, to scratch an itch. No, this is the kind of longing that's to survive. As a deer needs water to keep on breathing, that's how I desire the presence of God. Anybody, I mean, let me put it this way. Let me paint it in today, today's context. Anybody play football, high school, college, Pop Warner, anybody like that? You know, so when I grew up playing football, we had this thing called two-a-days. Two-a-days were no fun. It was, the, it was the worst two weeks of my life. I would wake up at 6 a.m. and I'd practice for three hours. Then I would go to the gym for another hour and a half, and then I would practice for another three hours, all day, every day. And you know what was one thing that was consistent with those days? A desire for water. Someone with my beautiful physique sweats a lot. And I would remember there was moments in that practice where all I could think about was getting to the water jug. I needed it or I was going to, as the, as the word says, faint. I, was go I needed it. I, I, and my mind would just focus over and over and over again the idea of getting to this water. The question is, this is what the visual it's painting here in these two Psalms. In both Psalm 84 and Psalm 42, it's painting this desire of one's heart so passionate that it can't stop thinking. It can't even wait to get into the presence of God. Is that what our life looks like? This is a deep feeling. And, you know, this is a good quote here. Not every love is so great as to make a longing, and not every longing is so great to make a fainting. Charles Spurgeon also writes this quote, there is no um, superstition in this kind of love. He loved the house of God because he loved the God of the house. His heart and flesh cried out, not for the altar or the candlestick, but for his God. What, what he's saying here in this quote is it's not a longing and a desire and a fainting after a Sunday service. It's not a longing or a desire after a small group. It's not a longing or a desire after an event with the lights and the smoke machine. It's not, that's not what it is. He's saying that there's a longing for the God of the house. I wonder, often I think to myself, when I'm getting ready and I'm coming to church, what am I longing after on my way in? Am I longing to just check that box so I can go about my day? Am I longing to make myself feel good for the mistakes I made from the week before so I can keep on doing them? Am I longing for the, for the production and the, the absolutely amazing message? Thank you. <laughs> or am I longing to dwell in the presence of God? Is that what my heart is longing after? My worry sometimes is that when it comes to us, the church corporately gathering, is we will become in the habit of coming together, singing the songs, hearing the word, and never once desiring the presence of God. 
And if that's where we are, our heart needs to transform here. As the psalm continues to go, our second point is this, is that after we desire his presence, after our soul has a longing for his presence, we will then find strength in his presence. It says this in Psalm 84, verses five and seven. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing streams. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will be appear, appear before God in Jerusalem. First line there. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. What joy for those whose strength comes from God, who have set their minds apart, who have set their minds on the pilgrimage. Now before I get to the pilgrimage, I wanna focus on this idea of what joy is it for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Now, all of us draw strength from something. All of us draw strength from something. This is painting the picture that you will find joy when your strength comes from God. And the question is, is, are we drawing strength from, there's two options here. You can either draw strength from worldly things or God. Those are your two options. And not all worldly things are bad here, but it, it, drawing your strength from them is nothing compared to drawing strength from our Lord. When, when we draw strength from the world, here's what, here's what happens when we draw strength from worldly things, relationships, jobs. They, they, drawing strength from the world is circumstantial. Circumstantial. Circumstances change, and it changes your level of strength. See, some of you draw your strength from an investment account, which is changing. There's highs and lows to that. All my banker friends in the house said amen. Some of you are drawing your strength from your earthly relationships, circumstantial. They change based on the circumstances you're in. Another thing about worldly relation, uh, drawing our strength from the world is it's temporary. Everything here on earth is temporary. It's not eternal. It's not everlasting. It will not go forever. And when we draw our strength from that, we are drawing our strength from a well that will one day go dry. It's temporary. And another thing is it can sometimes be prideful. When we choose to draw our strength from worldly things, it can be prideful. And some of you are saying, well, how can it be prideful to... to try to become strong and be better and, and lead and to, to do these things. Well, it can become prideful when you start to believe that it is you who's the strong one. Man, if I, if I just do enough reading, if I, if I work out enough, if I get my mind right enough, now are those things bad? No. But if that is where we are drawing our strength from and we're leaving God out and we're saying, I am the one who is strong enough to get through this. Can I, can I just caution some of us in this room who have that mentality? And I'm only saying this as someone who battles with that mentality. I, I'm one of those people who battles with the mindset of me driving, um, driving the boat and leading and being the one who can get us through and it can become prideful in my life. Here's the caution. God loves you so much. 
you continually try to do that, if you continually try to do it on your own, eventually he will get you to a place where you can't do it on your own. He loves you too much. And so when we try to, to pull our strength from worldly things and to stand on our own and leave him out, he loves us too much. He will put us in a situation to bring us to him. See, because here's the thing about God. This strength, this heavenly, godly strength is perfect and eternal. It is not circumstantial, it is not temporary, it is not prideful, it is perfect and eternal. Here's the cool thing about God. You ever think about this? We all derive strength from something. Everything in this world gets its strength from something. Trees have roots, they go into the ground, soak up nutrients, strong tree. We all, in this whole world, we derive strength from something. God doesn't. Do you ever think about this? God derives his strength from nothing. He is always strong. He is always mighty. And since he derives his strength from nothing, there is no end to his strength. Even like, you remember that commercial, The Energizer Bunny? And it would go on forever and ever and ever? Eventually, that battery will die, right? As great as the commercials were. But when it comes to God and his strength, it is never ending. It is never ceasing. Because he, he, he derives his power. He takes his power from nothing but himself. So it doesn't matter how many times we go to God and to lean into his strength, we are not gonna drain his batteries. We are not gonna find him in a moment of weakness. We are not gonna find him in a circumstance that is, uh, makes his strength less. We're not gonna find a temporary strength. When we go to God for strength, we find an eternal perfect strength that never stops. Amen? And then it goes on to in this passage. It says that joy for those who draw their strength from the Lord who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. This is talking about the early traditions of the time where there was every year there was three trips to Jerusalem where the people of God would go to Jerusalem to seek him, to, 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 to devote their life on this pilgrimage to go see him. Those who will find joy are those who have set their minds on this. It's, it, what it's really saying to us today is those who have set their minds on greater things than just the day-to-day. -day. The ones who have set their minds apart, and as they went on a pilgrimage, we daily get the opportunity to set our minds outside of the norm in pursuit of God. It's a heart set on a mission is what it's talking about here. It's saying the ones who will find joy in his presence are the ones who, who set their, themselves apart and see the bigger picture, desire after his presence, and go and find him. See, let me put it this way. It's talking about the kind of people who aren't just observers, who aren't just attenders, who aren't just hearers, but are those who are of action and pursuit. Um, let me, I'll paint a picture for you here. When it comes to a swimming pool, right, when it comes to a swimming pool, there's really three types of people at every swimming pool. Don't raise your hand if you're one of them, okay? Because some of them aren't good answers in this analogy, okay? There's really three types of people. There is those in the pool. There is those in the pool. What are they trying to do when they're in the pool? Stay afloat. It doesn't matter. Their, their whole ultimate goal, yes, they might have fun while doing it, but their ultimate goal is just to stay afloat, to stay above water. Then there's a second group of people, the watchers. 
the ones on the side of the pool watching people stay afloat, relaxing in the sun, observing. And the third group is there's usually a lifeguard there, the one who is watching for those who can no longer stay afloat and they jump into action. What this passage is talking about is that those, those, those who have their mind set on this pilgrimage, set apart for higher things, are the ones that aren't just in the pool treading spiritually. Aren't the ones that are just staying afloat, treading spiritually, maybe coming to church and going through the motions, but you're just, your life is just staying afloat. Not those. And not the ones just on the outside observing. The ones looking at everyone and just saying, look at them. I can't believe how much sin they have. Look at them. Look how much they're struggling. Look at them. Look at how broken the world is. What this is talking about in this visual is the lifeguards. The ones who are ready at all times to jump into action, who have their minds set apart for greater things. When they see somebody in need, they jump into action. When they see someone losing the ability to swim, they jump into action. That's what we are called to do as believers. We will find joy in his presence when we stop just treading spiritual water. When we stop just observing and we start to get in the game. It then says in this passage, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of a refreshing spring. Most translations here in this passage will say, it won't say when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will actually use the word baka when they walk through the valley of Baca. But Baca translated means valley of weeping. When they walk through this valley of weeping, they will become refreshed in his presence. Really what this psalm is painting here is that when you walk through this place of extreme brokenness, extreme hurt, extreme just pain, when we pursue the presence of God, when we pursue his presence, that valley of weeping can become refreshing streams. It can become a place of refreshment. I know that's hard to believe, especially if you're in that valley of weeping right now. It's hard to see it that way. But I wanna challenge you, if you're in that place, you're in that valley of weeping, you are in that place of brokenness, you, you feel like the whole world is falling in on you the best thing you can do is pursue the presence of God. The best thing you can do, it doesn't matter how many books you read. It doesn't matter how many friendships you have. It doesn't matter how much you work on relationships. It will not get that valley of weeping to a place of refreshing. That only thing that can do that is the presence of God who can make dead things alive who can make things that are broken beautiful. And then it closes this verse off with the line, they will continue to grow stronger. They will continue to grow stronger. And each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. They will continue to grow stronger. As they pursue God, as they pursue the strength of God, them on the journey, those us who are in action, who are on our pilgrimage, who are on our faith journey, we will continue to grow stronger as we pursue him. It's interesting because the human condition says this is impossible, right? The, the human condition says this is impossible. We have an arc of strength in our humanity where we have moments of strength and moments of weakness, 
Moments of strength, moments of weakness. And it's this journey from high to low, high to low. And we get really good if we're in a good mental place or spiritual place of staying in the lows less time and staying on those highs more. But we have this arc, but this passage says, says that as you pursue his presence, as you lean into his strength, you will go from strength to strength. What this is really saying here, what this is really saying here is that the more you pursue the power of God in your life, the more you pursue his presence and his strength, the more strength you will have in your life. The more strength you will have in a day-to-day life. I started this off by talking about travel and vacationing, going on trips. You don't need a vacation. A vacation is not going to fix that valley of weeping. I know you're stressed, I get it. I know you're going through a hard time. Hawaii will not fix it. And guess what, and you all know this is true, we put so much faith into these trips and vacations. Man, if I can just get to that week, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna be great. Whoever has that? I come back and there's more work. I come back and there's more expectation. I come back and I'm more stressed than when I went on vacation. Because what I thought was my strength that was gonna sustain me didn't do what it was designed to do. But when we go with God on this journey and we pursue him, we go from strength to strength. You don't need a vacation, you need more time in the presence of God. You don't need a trip, you don't need a week, you don't need one day off, you need more time in the presence of God. Whatever you're facing or going through, the only thing that can turn that valley from weeping to refreshing is his presence and his strength. Amen? Amen. Some of you are like, I'm going on vacation tomorrow and I feel guilty. (laughs) No, go on vacation, go to Hawaii, Go down to the beach, do what you got to do. Just pursue God when you're there. Man, this is one of my biggest pet peeves, okay? This is not in my notes. I'm going rogue here. We, sometimes we go on vacation to refresh, to strengthen, to recharge, and we do the complete opposite of pursuing God on vacation. This is our week to cut loose. This is our week to, for the morals to... Whoop. <laughs> No, go on vacation. You don't get breaks from relationship with God. You get breaks from relationships from those annoying coworkers. But you don't go on vacations in your relationship with God. If you really want that refreshing, you want that valley to change, go pursue the presence of God. It's the best advice I can give you is to pursue that presence. I gotta go quick here. Well, actually, I control the timeline, so... The third point here is we will find our strength in his presence and we will also find joy in his presence. It says this in verse 10. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'm gonna let that marinate. Is that true of your life? Does your heart really believe that line? 
that when it comes to the things of this world, when it comes to relationships, your family, when it comes to your, your day-to-day life, does your heart really reflect this truth? That one day, one day in the presence of my God is greater than any of this. Moment of just complete honesty with you. In preparing this message, I battled with some extreme convictions. Battling with this truth, is that true in my life? And I've come to a conclusion. In my life, the biggest fear I have, the biggest fear I have for my life is that I will lose the joy of the presence of God. That I will lose that feeling of pursuit after his presence. That I will lose that, that mindset that nothing else matters except being in the presence of my God. We are so good at getting busy. We are so good at getting stressed. And if I'm completely honest, church, hear my heart on this. We are so easily numb to the magnitude of the presence of God. Every day, we have the opportunity to wake up and to be in the presence of the creator of the universe to be in the presence of the one who created our flesh and created the trees and the mountains and the waves. We have the opportunity to be in the presence of the one who can do miraculous things in our life. And we just get so busy doing so many other things. I hope we will be a church that becomes expectant and eager for the pursuit of the presence of God in our life. That when we come here on Sundays, this is not a social gathering. This is not a time for us to just shake hands and wave and sing and dance. All those things are great, but our heart would be set on engaging with the presence of our almighty God our Savior. This passage in Psalm 73, I think, paints it perfect. When it comes to heaven, which I think a lot of us, you know, and most of us in this room, that's our end goal, right? Okay, maybe some of us. I Like our goal is heaven, eternity, right? There we go, okay. I was just about to totally change the message. You know, altar call, come forward. Um, We think of heaven as our end result, but I want to read this Psalm 73 and paint this picture. Whom whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but my God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Whom have I in heaven but you? Jesus, I, I, I know heaven's the goal, but I, I just want to be with you, Jesus. If that's where you are, that's where I want to be. We should start practicing this today. 
our life today. And I think most of us, if we're honest, we want this heart and this desire to be in the presence of God, this passion to, to dwell with him, to be in his presence, but there's things that get in our way. There's things that stop us as we're on our journey trying to pursue after him. It's like the TSA. Man, aren't those fun? Those lines? TSA is interesting because when you're going through those checks, the length and time to get to your location, to get to your final destination is really determined on how much stuff you're carrying. You know, it, it, we could be in our pursuit of God just like we're on our pursuit to that trip. We could be in that line. And if we're carrying a bunch of stuff, that check-in process is gonna be harder to get through. It's gonna be harder to get to where we wanna go. And you know, you're standing at that TSA line, those people walking through the TSA clear. You're just looking at them, their heads are down because they're embarrassed because you're passing the line. And you're just angry and you're filled up with all this stuff because the line's taking forever. Us spiritually, we have things like that that keep us held up from getting into the presence of God. We have things that stop us from getting where we want to be with God. Things like legalism. Things like, we're so caught up in the legality of our faith, in the rules and regulations of our faith that we can't even enjoy the authentic presence of our Savior. We get so caught up in, in rules, regulations, and traditions. Are they bad? No, but if that's what our faith is, we're missing the heart of our Savior. If we get caught up in things like comparison, oh, this will stop us from enjoying the presence of God. This will stop us from our soul being authentically pursuing him because we'll look at others and we'll say, man, their relationship with Jesus is so much better than mine. Their marriage is so much better than mine. Their kids are so much more better behaved than mine. We would never say they're better than mine. The comparison game can stop us from having a heart that is longing the presence of God. Things like idolatry. Things that we have built up as idols in our life that if we're honest, we bow to and worship more than we do our God. These idols, these things that we put our faith in, our relationships in, can stop us from getting to the presence of God. And the last one is this, sin. This TSA line of faith. Some of us are carrying carry-ons full of so much sin. And we're trying to sneak it through. We're trying to sneak it through and we're trying to engage with God with all of this stuff and this baggage, the sin that we, we really need to do one thing. We need to repent. We need to fall on our knees and repent to an almighty God whose graces are new every day through his son, Jesus Christ, and say, yes, I have this bag full of sin, but your son hung on the cross and took my place so I could give this to him and I could be free and rest in your presence. The reason some of you, your heart is not longing for relationship and being in the presence of God is you are carrying too much sin. And it's time to repent. It's time to drop the bags, baggage of sin and authentically pursue the presence of God.
My prayer for us as a congregation is that we would be a church whose souls cry out for God. That we are so passionately pursuing the presence of God that our soul begins to cry out. Amen? And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray, and if you could all stand with me. And I, I talked about a couple points there. Legalism, sin, idolatry. And some of you might be saying, Shane, I, I want this. I want, a, I want a heart that is desired after God. I want to desire his presence every moment of every day. But I have one of those. I got sin issues. I got idolatry issues that are, that are blocking my path, that are keeping me in the waiting line. And I'm ready to move forward. As I pray, pray this prayer over you, I want you to give those to Jesus. I want you to ask him to take them. I want you to ask him to take those things and I want you to have a heart after the presence of God. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray for all of us in this place this morning that you would give us a heart that longs and craves your presence. Give us a, a heart that can't go a minute without craving your presence. That our souls would cry out to you. For us, that we need to repent. We do that now, God. We come before you with our brokenness and we bring them to the foot of your cross. Take our idols, take our comparison, take our legalistic mind that stops us from enjoying your presence. Let our souls cry out for you. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen.